What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Squire. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well, and we are officially now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. This summer has been a hectic one for us, but we're back after a whole month off. So on this episode of the TSK show, Tyler and I will give an update on the NFL as the preseason is in full swing for teams. Also, we're going to rank our top duos in the NBA and discuss what the Team USA roster will look like as the FIBA World Cup is set to begin in a couple weeks. We're also going to talk about a bunch of housekeeping items we may have missed in our time away from the podcast. Then to close the show, Tyler and I will share what three things we would change about the NBA if we had the executive power to do so. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the sports kingdom sports kingdom What's going on, TP? Uh, we're live on remote here, and uh, it feels like a Bikini Bottom. Sounds like we're in Bikini Bottom, so reporting live from Bikini Bottom. The curse is broken. We finally got this episode. Recorded. Yeah. Episode 106. We finally made it. We've dealt with car accidents, illness. Yeah. Um, a lot of things, locked out of the studio. A lot of things that pushed this episode back, but we're on. We beat it. Yeah. But let's just jump right into it. Uh, we haven't talked about the NFL in a while. We got the Fantasy Football League. It's... It's basically locked up. The keepers, the keepers will be locked in by tomorrow. Yeah, the deadline is tomorrow. I and locked in. The, my, I locked in mine the other day. We got a draft on September first, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. This draft is uh, the best in the, the best in the world. Yeah, but now as far as it goes in the league, we haven't talked about any news or headlines really. Uh, in a while, yeah. probably since March, I would say. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to change up a little bit this year. The big change, introducing uh, individual defensive players, so that's going to be fun. And then uh, the playoff structure is different. We're going to 16 playoffs with first and second team. Oh, you're talking about the fantasy league? Oh, yeah, what are you talking about? I was talking about just talk, us, us talking on the podcast about football. Oh, yeah, no, there has been a lot. Of, yeah, okay, I got you. I was still... You can tell I'm locked into fantasy, but at this yeah. point, it's all I think about. But no, the, like you were saying, with those changes to the fantasy league, I think it is going to be fun with those three defensive players yeah, uh, getting added to bit. the roster. Yeah, it'll be fun. Higher scoring, it's always good. And the pot's bigger this year. The pot's $1,000 to the winner and a 1K. trophy. So I, I can't think of a better prize to win a fantasy league than a $1,000 check with a trophy with your name scrapped on it. So. Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, the NFL is uh, the NFL is basically in full swing. We're about to start it up here and up here in a couple weeks, and uh, there's still a lot of kind of questions in the air. There's the quarterback carousel is always going. Um, the Antonio Browns of the world, you know what I mean? There's uh, there's some things that are going to change before the season starts. Yeah. So I would say the two biggest question marks though this offseason has been the holdouts of Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. 
both feel they should be compensated more for the job they've done in their first few, first few years of their careers. Gordon is owed $5.6 million this season, and then Zeke has two years left on his deal. Uh, he'll be owed $3.8 million this season, and then it jumps to $9 million next season. Just to kind of set the set the stage uh, as far as the the top running backs in terms of how much they're getting paid, Todd Gurley, the number one running back overall, getting paid $14.375 million. Le'Veon Bell is at $13.125 million. And then David Johnson of the Cardinals is at $13 million. And then we remember, obviously, Le'Veon Bell's holdout last season, which lasted the entire season. Yeah, which I think he's the one that kind of set the pace for for Zeke at Melvin Gordon. Yeah, but he was asking for $16, 17000000 million. He ended up getting 13.1. Yeah, I think anything over 10 at this point for a running back is your big time, your superstar contract. Well, and it's it's funny you mentioned the $10 million about a month ago. ESPN's Josina Anderson reported that Melvin Gordon's agent uh, had requested a trade from the Chargers uh, after the Chargers had remained at their initial offer of approximately $10 million a year. Uh, Chargers GM Tom Telesco told Gordon's agent that Gordon is still obviously a part of the family, but Gordon's agent was not given permission to seek trade partners at the time. Uh, the Chargers obviously feel they still can work out a deal. And like you said, yeah. offering $10 million a year, that would put him yeah. in the top yeah. four or five yeah. range. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to sign if he gets that opportunity. But at the same time, I think that these running backs are smart. Um, Le'Veon obviously set the president. And uh, they're worth a lot of money, you know. Uh, and they're just not getting compensated for rookie contract performances, which is their big gripe. Um, they feel... Like you said earlier, they should be paid for the job they've done, not for the future. And I mean, partly I think they're right. I mean, I've been completely on one side of the fence when it comes to the Seahawks and how they've dealt with contracts. And I just feel like we owe people money. You know, I would have paid Earl. I don't care if he's a 30-year-old safety. I'm happy that we paid Russ. I'm happy that we paid Bobby. Um, I think that they deserve uh, being paid for things in the past just as much as a promise for the future just because I kind of... I feel like I understand, you know, the value of having players like that on your team. Yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting. I've had the chance to be at Chargers training camp uh, multiple times this offseason uh, because the Chargers are a partner with iHeartMedia. We're their radio broadcast partner with a local station here in L.A. Uh, and getting the chance to be around camp, it was definitely interesting not having Melvin Gordon around and but the team it was just carrying on business yeah. as usual yeah. football i think the one of the main clichés and mottos we hear in football is that next man up mentality and that's that's it's, just what the chargers have been doing yeah i think it's more so in football than almost any sport just because you know you you can you can you can fit a new guy in and get the same amount of production outside of the quarterback position it's just if you have a system in place and your team is, you know, successful because of the style of play you play, not just individual talent. Um, next man up is just always going to work, and that's kind of the cool part of the business is, you know, from the from the Chargers side and from the Cowboys side, it's like, listen, we're probably going to get another running back that, you know, might not be quite as good as you, but its production is going to be damn near the same. Yeah, and so with that next man up mentality, Jerry Jones said a few weeks ago that, 
the team doesn't need a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. Now, I want to know, is he forgetting the team won Super Bowls? Like, because of Emmitt Smith? With the rushing champion? (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think Jared Jones is just kind of fed up with this shit, and, you know, rightfully so. I think he's actually, you know... He doesn't owe Zeke anything. That's just the the running back position, man. It's just tough. That's why these guys are playing hardball to get paid when they can because they don't have that many years left in the tank. But Dallas Cowboys, if you put anybody behind that offensive line, I just think that they're gonna they're gonna run really well. Now, I in saying that, I also think that Zeke is a top five runner in the league. I think he's an elite talent, so he gets extra out of that out of that Cowboys offensive line. I don't think everybody can get what Zeke gets. But I think you're going to get a 12, 1,400-yard rusher behind that line no matter who it is. Yeah. Now, sources were saying to Josina Anderson of ESPN about Zeke's situation. Uh, Zeke's representatives informed the Cowboys that he would not play for the team in 2019 at all if a new yeah. contract was not reached. Now, the same source said it's not likely that the holdout will spill over into the regular season because Jerry Jones himself wants to get a deal done before week one. Yeah, I think that Melvin and Zeke will both end up playing. Um, but I also think there's a very good chance, you know, a, a 60-40, 70-30 scenario where I think there really is a good chance they don't play just because of Le'Veon. And between the two of them, you know, I think those chances are even greater that one of those guys doesn't play this year. But I like to see – I think I'll see both of those guys play this year. Well, I think I think we'll definitely see Melvin Gordon – play week one this year but I think the Cowboys are in a much different scenario just because of their court yeah they, uh, have, who they have with their team yeah. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network was reporting that the Cowboys had made extension offers to their core basically Dak Prescott Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott that would put them all in the top five highest paid at their positions Dak and Amari both reported to training camp this offseason and obviously Zeke has yet to show up but none of the three players have agreed to any extensions yet. What what do you make of that? Uh, yeah, I mean it's tough. The 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 football how, how football is is as far as the physicality and the short windows of time. Like Dak is a little different, but Amari and Zeke, you know, they've just got to be very careful with the contracts they sign because they're not signing as many. You know, there's they have a small window of opportunity to make a ton of money. So I think that's kind of why those guys get pulled into this not signing extensions as quickly as others. Okay. But the Cowboys got to sign them. I mean, they got a great offensive line, and they have some solid pieces on defense, but they need Amari, they need Zeke, they need Dak. Yeah. I mean, I think Dak... Dak for sure is not worth the money that he's being thrown out, though. Well, that's definitely like... If he's really asking for $40 million, I think he's been playing football a little too long and got hit in the head a little too much. I understand why, because, you know, he's got all these stats that kind of, like, help him out as far as, like, games played, winning percentage. But what's he done um, when it matters? But, it, yeah, and, and I just, like, I take the, the eyeball gut test very seriously when it comes to quarterbacks, and he's just not, he's never really, like, Odd, you know, he's never really left me in awe. I've never really been super impressed with Dak's play. Okay, so all right, back back to the running backs, and we'll we'll close out the running back holdouts because we got, I got two more to get to. Yeah. Um. We see Zeke and Melvin Gordon week one. 
Uh, I think that's more 50-50. I think that's up in the air to okay. see both of them week one. Yeah. But we're seeing think, at least think, one of them. I think you're you're almost guaranteed to see one of them week one. Okay. All right. Now, the next holdout we're going to get to, it's Jadavian Clowney of the Houston Texans. He's still not reported to Texans training camp after yeah. failing to reach an extension agreement with the Texans, who placed Jadavian Clowney under the franchise tag earlier this offseason. He's the only player that has failed to reach an extension after being placed under that franchise tag. And Ian Rappaport reported a couple weeks ago that Clowney was tentatively planning on reporting to the Texans after the third preseason game. So that would be after this week. Yeah, that's a tough one because the Texans gotta they've gotta commit a huge percentage of their salary to pass rush. Because of JJ Watts pay and because of what Jadavion is. I mean, Jadavion needs to be paid in the top five. I mean, Vaughn Miller, J.J. Watt, those are the guys he has to be paid with. Yeah. So, you just got to, Houston, I think, is just having a really tough time committing such a huge portion of their salary to the pass rush. But I think they have to do it just because to have Jadavion and J.J. on the field together is uh, arguably the best pass rushing tandem ever. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, having a quarterback look on the other side of the line and having to look at Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt, yeah. no one's going to be thrilled yeah. with that. Yeah, no, they're, they're amazing. So Texas got to get that one done. All right, and now... I don't think they will. I think they'll oh, I mean, yeah, we'll see We'll see after the third you, preseason you just game. Can't, you can't have that kind of generational talent leave, and Jadavion's that dude. Now, another, I would say, pretty contentious holdout because uh, the player was very adamant about not showing up. Uh... Trent Williams holding out from the Washington Redskins. Yeah, that's a, a big one. A big deal. Uh, potentially, the Redskins reportedly are going to trade him uh, because they haven't been able yeah. to figure out a, yeah. uh, a way to a work big, this out. That's a huge get. I mean, that's a big time get. The rumors that I that I saw uh, that were most prevalent were the Patriots going after after him. So. Yeah. I mean, if the Patriots can get a player of Trent Williams' caliber, yeah, he's a prime time. He's a prime time, you know, left tackle. It's, uh, there's not a ton of those guys in the league, so uh, he's an elite get. And you know, Washington, you know, if they don't want to pay him, they should trade him because he's extremely valuable. Yeah, no, I definitely think they could get a nice haul. And I just, think, I just think with the Redskins' quarterback scenario, they can't be. You know, they're obviously not. They're obviously trying to make a playoff push, but I just. I don't see them being there in that playoff hunt. Yeah, the past. And so I think that they should just fold up shop with Trent Williams, get rid of him, and build, continue to build with their younger guys. Yeah, I mean, the path in, in the NFC to, to the playoffs is, is a lot smaller. Well, and their division is just so, I mean, the Philly and Dallas is so talented. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Dallas is probably going to end up missing the playoffs. You know what I mean? And that's saying something because they're, I mean, they're stacked. But yeah, the gap between. Philly and Dallas and Washington and New York and even Washington from New York that gap. Yeah, now I only think one team's coming out of that division this year, so it's gonna I mean, it's it's probably gonna be Philly in my eyes. But uh, yeah, I would have I, to agree with that. The Giants are gonna be bad. I think the Redskins are gonna be bad, and then I think the Cowboys and the the, the Eagles should be good. All right, so from disgruntled players mm-hmm. to happy players, yeah, because these players got paid. The Saints and Michael Thomas agreed to a new contract extension that it, it goes into effect after this season. The extension agreement means that Thomas, uh, 
he he had a, a short holdout to begin camp, but uh, the extension basically ended his holdout because it it happened. Now it's a five year extension worth almost a hundred million dollars. Sixty one million is guaranteed. Thomas becomes the highest paid receiver in the entire NFL. Uh, he's making $1.65 million this year. Uh, it's the last year of his rookie deal. And when his extension kicks in, his salary jumps to $11 million. Yeah, deserving. Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas... I think, that, I think that while you got Drew Brees, you got to keep an elite guy like him around. Yeah, I think Michael Thomas so much is chance. definitely well-deserved of this contract. It's, you know, if you can get Kamara extended, you know, and you have a Kamara, Michael Thomas... To live out Drew Brees' career, um, they're going to be Super Bowl contenders the next three or four years. Yeah. it It's the most guaranteed money for any non-QB offensive player in the league. So, I mean, that definitely says something about the, what the Saints think of Michael Thomas. Yeah, which is which is impressive because he's a skilled player. You know, I think of, I think of pass rushers. I think of tackles. I think of corners getting that kind of money. And, you know, to be a receiver in this day and age, see that, that's big time. Yeah. Now another off, uh, another extension to make note of, the Patriots and Tom Brady agreed to a two-year extension that will pay him $23 million per year. He's the sixth highest paid quarterback in the league, but the way the contract is written, it states that this contract extension voids March 17th, 2020. So that's the end of this year, like this yeah. NFL season. And that's per spot track. The it's a website that yeah, yeah. Um, basically collaborates all of player salaries and all of that. If you're not familiar with it, definitely go check it out if you're interested in stuff like that. Yeah. But that means Tom Brady will be a free agent at the end of this year. Yeah. Does that mean he's done? No. I think that just means he's, he wants to just sign two years at a time. You know, take it two years and and. Uh, so he's going the LeBron route. Yeah. Pre-Laker contract? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's not, at this point in his career, he's not going to, he's not going to change teams. And then, you know, if he wants to play, they're going to pay him. So it's like, I think that it's going to work out. And I think he's got, he's still got years left with a tank. I mean, three, four minimum. Three, four minimum? Yeah. That's, yeah. oh man. I mean, I can remember five years ago saying five years when people were saying one and two, you know. Hey, listen, I was but, saying he was uh, done in the first half of last it's year. It's just the more and more I, the more and more I've learned about his, you know, the way he takes care of his body and his preparation. But he could be. I think we're going to see a forty-five-year-old Tom Brady in the NFL. Hey, that would that would be a sight to see. That's for sure. Now, before we close out this uh, NFL talk, we got to talk about two receivers. Some quick injury news. A.J. Green had to be carted off the field uh, during one of the first practices the Bengals had yeah. in training camp. He suffered torn ligaments in his ankle that required doctors to go in and repair, uh, repair and basically clean up his ankle so that he could make a full recovery. Initially, it was thought that it would be possible for A.J. Green to return week one, but it's more likely now that Green will have to miss a couple regular season games, according to Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. How big of a loss is that for the Bengals? It's uh, it's it's uh, it's bigger than just a loss to the Bengals because it's AJ Green's career, and when you he was a, and he's a superstar. I mean, I think he's a top five receiver in the league, like naturally. Yeah, went healthy, and uh, and he was off to his first four years were so productive. 
and they were so good um, that these last two seasons now, he went from a, traje- a Hall of Fame trajectory his first four years, and now that he, you know, there's two years in a row where it's been it's been dicey with injury and production. It's like his career can get off track really quick. You know what I mean? And it's like he, you know, three years ago he was looking like a Hall of Famer, and now he's looking like he's got to get his career back on track. Well, it's it's interesting you bring up injuries derailing a career. That's a little foreshadowing into something we're, we're going to talk about a little bit later on when we talk yeah. about some basketball and stuff. It, and it happens all the time in athletics, but this one is just one of those things where a superstar athlete got hurt in the middle of his prime. So it can really derail the end product because at the end of the day, now it's like four productive seasons. Yeah. Where it should have been 10, 12 productive seasons. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about the craziness that's been Antonio Brown's offseason. First, the frostbite. Yeah, uh, first, the frostbite on his feet from mm-hmm. not wearing the proper footwear in the cryotherapy, which I think was dramatized. After, yeah, after I read the the story from Justin Gatling, the American sprinter who suffered a similar uh, who suffered a similar and worse off uh, version of what happened to Brown, you know, he kind of reassured me that Brown was his feet were going to be fine. Yeah, I think the picture. Of his feet, obviously made it look a, yeah, it made it look a lot worse than. But it wasn't injury. black and blue. No, uh, I don't think there was any nerve damage. So yeah, I mean, listen, it, it could have been a lot worse. But it, listen, he's a receiver. His I feet think he's are being dramatic this season in general. I just you know I'm not really a big fan of you know the way he's handled himself this off season. Yeah. So another thing that he's done this off season is threatened to never play football again, uh, and that was because of some drama with he didn't want to comply with the league's new helmet rules. Uh, So he filed a grievance so that he could continue to wear the helmet he had been wearing for years, but the helmet was no longer approved by the league. And that original grievance was denied. He said, okay, I'll come back. And then a day or two later, he changed his mind again. And now he's filed a new grievance with the league. Uh, because he's yet to find a helmet that has been league approved, basically. But there was news out of Raiders camp today that he did practice. He was a full participant in practice. Yesterday, the Raiders GM basically put down an ultimatum to him, basically saying, are you in or out? And he showed up to practice today. Gruden said he was all in. But what... What's going to happen with this? I mean... I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to play really well. I just think he's on his bullshit for the offseason because he doesn't want to play in preseason. Um, and he's just kind of a dramatic person. And, I mean, it's just like... He, he's in the... I mean, he's just Chad Johnson, Terrell Owens, you know, Randy Moss. I've seen this before. He's, he's a big-time NFL wide receiver. He's got a huge personality and extreme confidence. And a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he wasn't supposed to be this guy. So, I think that interview where he said he didn't need football anymore rubbed people the wrong way. But I think what he was trying to say is he's already made it in his eyes. Everything is extra at at this point. But the thing is, is just I think if he gets on the field, he's going to ball. Yeah, no no doubt. I definitely think he's going to ball. But it comes to a certain point where, yeah, he's made it and everything else is extra, but he's got an obligation to his teammates, yeah. the franchise, the yeah. coaches, and all of that to well, be out there. Yeah, and I think I think he plays this season. That's that's exactly why I think he plays this year. 
And I think he plays the whole year for the Raiders, but I don't think he finishes out this contract with the Raiders. It's that just, wouldn't surprise me. It's just off to too rocky of a start. Now, if he gets through a successful season, it could change things, but um, he's going to get out there using the ball. You brought up something interesting, though, about him like just using these antics to get out of playing in training camp and in the preseason. I feel like that's kind of a... Just in the news. Well, uh, not even that. I think, it's, I think it's, though, more of a trend, though, with veteran players that they've done training camp however many times every year. Yeah. And yeah. it's and the wear and tear on their body and, and all see, of that. And see, the reason why I don't like it and why I originally stated that I am not a big fan of the way he's handled himself is because I understand not wanting to play. And if he was with the Steelers... It'd be it'd be non-issue, but you need to you need to get reps in with your new team. Yeah, he's got to establish that. It's his, it's his first year with the team, so that's why I think he's just kind of on his bullshit. But um, what's well, the way I think he plays, and he plays well. I will say, Hard Knocks has still been entertaining without him. Yeah, I mean they do a great job. <laughs> Hard Knocks is the shit. Yeah, but listen, the NFL it's almost here. We're we're here. It's it's here. I'm ready to go. Yeah. But all right, let's transition now to basketball. And before we get into the top duos, uh, I said we had a couple housekeeping items I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first two housekeeping items we'll talk about, and then we'll get into the duos, and then we'll talk about the rest. But I wanted to talk about Zion signing with Jordan Brand first, and then RJ Hampton signing with Lee Ning. RJ Hampton, obviously the high school senior who opted to go play in New Zealand and Australia instead of going to college. No, skipping his senior year of high school. Oh, yeah, excuse me, skipping his senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Zion signing with Jordan Brandt first. I think that's a great move. Yeah. It's the largest annual value rookie shoe deal ever. He's getting more money per year than LeBron got. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's cool that he chose to go Jordan instead of Nike. I think a lot of things affected that decision. I think the shoe blowing out had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think his relationship with Adidas had something to do with it. So, uh, a lot of weird things, I think, ended up, up in Jordan. But it was uh, it was a genius move by him because I think he's just indulged himself as a culture icon now. Yeah. You know, bringing, bringing back Jordan, seeing Zion out there in some retros. It's like, you know, retros to now are, are uh, older person's shoe you know what i mean yeah. it's not the it's not necessarily what all the younger people are wearing so it's going to be a cool clash of generations for zion to to represent that brand yeah now rj hampton signing a five-year deal with lee ning yeah. i thought his quote was great uh on basically the reason why he chose to go with lee ning he said quote i want to be the face of something global that's bigger than just the u.s Obviously, that comes on the coattails of choosing to go play yeah. overseas instead yeah. of finishing out his uh, high school career in America. Yeah. He's already getting the opportunity to expand the brand further than, obviously, China, where it's based. Yeah. Uh, and then him being an American and hopefully an NBA, an NBA hopeful. Uh, I think it's a great move. No, I mean, we've and I've talked about this kid before on the show and how... You know, there's there's people like him and Lamella Ball and Brandon Jennings and Emmanuel Moutier and there's there Luka Doncic and all these different you know paths to the NBA, all these different options when you can leave high school, when you can leave college, um, going pro, 
shoe brands, you know, he's kind of just a product of all of that stuff. And I think it's really smart for really, I think it's really smart for basketball players to go to these other brands outside of Nike and Adidas right now, because if you're not a top guy, if you're not Giannis or James Harden or, or LeBron or KD, um, it's going to be hard to kind of get your, your shoe out there for these top dogs. And so I think people going to Puma and Li Ning and all this kind of stuff, getting paid, um, you know, the, the shoe quality at that high end of stuff is not going to change a lot. You know, so get yours and be the face of a, be the face of your own thing. You know what I mean? Don't be the 10th best guy in Nike. Well, I think a perfect example of that is earlier this offseason, Jason Tatum got moved from the Nike roster to the Jordan roster. Yeah, yeah. You just don't have space, and there's certain players that are like, yeah, they're good. Like Ant Davis, for for example. It's like he's arguably the best basketball player in the world, but he doesn't have a Nike shoe, but Paul George does. You know, there's just play, there's, yeah. the perimeter players are more marketable. People want to be Paul George. They want to play like Paul George. No, the fact that the Greek freak got his own shoe is a big deal. Oh, yeah, no, and he's going to be there to stay, and it's going to be tougher and tougher for KD and Kobe and Paul George to stay afloat now with Giannis in the mix. No, I think Kobe will be fine. No, but but it's, it's you know, LeBron's still the king. You know, I think LeBron still rules the Nike. And then Kyrie's the one that's really got the, probably the best shoe line of a Nike. Yeah, I, I, so love, I love that line. that's why I throw Kobe in the mix with those other guys because I think Kobe has been surpassed by Kyrie as the top-selling, lightweight style of shoe like that. Gotcha. All right, well, let's, let's just get into these duos. Yeah, this is good. We've had a lot of time to to make this list. Yeah. We we have all 30 duos. We have them broken up into three groups of 10, obviously. And uh, we'll kind of just go through 30 through 11 a little bit qu- a little quicker than we'll go through the top 10. But we really want to get in depth with the top 10. Uh, why don't you start with your number 30? Um, all right. One sec. Let me make sure I... You want me to start with 30 or 21? Uh, we, I mean, we can do it that way. Go 21 to 30 if you want. Uh, it just seems weird going backwards, but I guess, I guess that makes sense. All right, I'll start with 30. So the worst tandem in the league, I think the worst like big duo set up is Charlotte. I have Charlotte as well. Yeah. Who's your duo, though? I put Batum and Bridges just because I think Batum's the best player on the team, and I think Bridges is the most promising young talent they have. So I put... Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges as their duo, just because that was like their big offseason. I had Rozier Rozier and Batum originally because I think that those are their two most productive players. But with the big two, I think that youth and like promise has a big factor in it. See, I, yeah, well, so I think think that I think that Rozier was a signing out of necessity, whereas Bridges is something they're trying to build on. Well, yeah, I just think. I don't think I think Batum is over the hill in terms of having to put him in the duo of who Charlotte No, Charlie no, he, he is, but I think he's still probably their best player. <laughs> Just, and that that says exactly yeah, about what yeah. their position is. But then next, I got moving up the list. Honestly, all these duos are really good. It's uh, this is all youth in this back ten for the most part. But okay. number twenty nine, I got John Jaron Jackson. I got them a little uh, bit higher. Uh, twenty eight, I got Levine and Marketing. 
27, I got Kevin Love and Colin Sexton. Um, 26, I got RJ and Julius Randle. Um, 25, I got Gordon, Aaron Gordon and Nicole, uh, Nikola Vucevic. Uh -huh. 24, I got my boy Trey and uh, John Collins. Okay. Trey Young and John Collins. 23, I got Zion and Lonzo. Um, 22, I got CP3 and Steven Adams. Sad to see CP3 in the back 10 of the duos. <laughs> yeah. Um, considering he was a top five guy before. Um, and then 21, to round out my back 10, 21, I got De'Aaron Fox and uh, Marvin Bagley. So we got a lot of similarities, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think the youth guys are, are in the back. They have, like, all these, all, like, if if Fox and Bagley, Zion and Alonzo, Trey and Collins, RJ and Julius, like, if they stay together, you know, they're going to move up the list. John yeah, Jaren, for sure. John Jaren going to move up the list. You know, people like Levine, they're docked because of injury and marketing. And then it's like Kevin Love is obviously stuck out on an island. And yeah. his, his partner, his Sexton, is like arguably the worst player in all this list. Right. Um, you know, so that's kind of how I did the back 10. So my back 10, I, like you, I have Charlotte, but I got Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges. 29, I got uh, Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. 28, I got Zach Levine and Lowry Markkinen. 27, I got Jean Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. So, same bottom four. Yeah. 26, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. Same bottom five. 25, Vucevic and Gordon. Oh, damn. Okay. 24, CP3 and Steven Adams. That one's tough, though, because they're so good. But but they got nothing around them, so it's like... it's Their, their scenario it's awful. is why they're they're not. Yeah, 100%. Like, you... It, yeah, because both those guys are so good. I think yeah. that I mean I'm a huge Stephen Adams fan, and I've been a big time Chris Paul fan since the beginning. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely tough to put him in that position, but it is what it is. Twenty three, I got Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Oh wow, that is big time disrespect. What have they done? They are. What have they done? They are extremely high. On Did you list. see the video of Devin Booker last night that came out in the open gym? Yeah. Talking about getting doubled. Yeah, complaining yeah. about getting doubled in an open gym. Yeah, stop it. Work right. on your game, bro. You're getting double teamed every night in the league. Well, if he has to pass it off the double, he can't really work on his game. Well, all right. Twenty two. I got Trey Young and John Collins. Okay. And twenty one. I got Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley. Damn. So the uh, who did I have instead of? Who did you have in Oh, do you, you, haven't, you haven't said Zion and Lonzo yet? No, but 20, my 20th, I have Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson. Man, you didn't put Lonzo in there? I couldn't, man. Drew Holiday. Drew, it's uh, Drew's team. Uh, it's Drew's team. No, it's, it's Zion's team. <laughs> 100%. We'll, we'll all right. wait to see. We'll okay, so see. 20. All right. So 20, I got Dragic and Butler. I got them a little bit higher. Um, just because uh, Dragic, I think, is on the downcline. Butler's a stud, but uh, the, the two together, it's just not big time. Okay. 19, I got Oladipo and Miles Turner. Okay. Oh, shit. Sorry. Um, okay, there we go. Uh, 18, I got Wiggins and Cat because I feel like disrespecting those guys. Yep. Um, totally uh, okay with it. Uh, then I got 17, I got Lowry and Gasol. Um I just, you know, I just think Lowry's, okay. I think Lowry is taking, going to take a step backwards. 
Gasol's, you know, in his mid thirties. Um, they're really productive, but now it's just, it kind of, it looks bleak. Um, at 16, I got Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Um, pro, uh, you know, arguably the best four or five combo in the league though. Yeah. Um, 15. Now this, this one is really interesting because these guys could be a lot higher and a lot lower. Just, I know exactly depend, where you're going. Depending on how this goes is Luca and Kristaps. Oh, okay. No, that's not where I thought you were Just going. Just because I believe Kristaps and Luca could easily be a top 10 combo in the league. Um, but Kristaps not playing, uh, for what? Two seasons. Or like a uh, season, and season and a half. half. Yeah, you know, and Luca be just a rookie. Um, I think that they get dropped down to fifteen, but that's that's. Well, it'll be. It, I mean, he's coming off his rookie year. It'll be his second year. In the yeah, league. but like we got we got one year, and then we got we got one year like a rookie of the year performance, and then we had Kristaps for like two years performance. So they're high for not seeing too much of these guys play, really. Yeah. Because I know what they could be. Okay. Uh, fourteen. I got Kemba and Jason Tatum. This is where it gets tough. These ones coming up is tough to, to rank because they're good. Yeah, uh, definitely. But 14, I got Kemba and Jason Tatum. 13, I got DeMar and LaMarcus. 12, I got Jamal Murray and Jokic. And at 11, I got D-Book and DeAndre Hyde. Damn near top 10. Wow. But wow. I also think Devin Booker is arguably the most talented two-guard in the league. Obviously, James Harden and Clay are what would everyone would consider the top two. But Booker is just as talented as those guys. And Aiden, after his rookie year, I think shows just as much promise as a Luka. It's just quiet because he's in Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. All so right. So Booker and Aiden at 11. So it's it, it, it's really been interesting just in the first 20 to hear our like our like my duos for the teams and your duos for the teams because we have a lot of the same and then there's like a few that are off. So – yeah, Boston, you can go a lot of different ways. Yeah, um, I, I can Toronto, you could go I, a different I, way. I was also going to say Siakam was on my list originally. Yeah, um, but I ended up putting Marcus All there. That's fair. I had Lowry. Completely okay. With that. Lowry and Siakam were for sure uh, Toronto's guys. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I can see that one. And then uh, what's so, the other one that could be up for? Yeah, I guess that's those are oh. New Orleans. Do you have Miles Turner as the guy with the Yeah, Oladipo and Turner, yeah. So, okay, so my 20 through 11, I got 20, Drew and Zion. 19, I got Siakam and Lowry. 18, I got Oladipo and Turner. 17, I got Cat and Wiggins. Obviously, the Minnesota disrespect is is here on this this podcast. Uh, 16, I got Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. And that one I understand. You know, maybe I'm hating on Dragic a little bit, but when I just look at him stack up next to Oladipo or Cat, you know, or even Kyle Lowry, I think I'd take, well, take all those guys over over Dragic. But I think just Jimmy Butler raises it that much. Yeah, for sure. So, 15, I got Blake and Drummond. Okay. 14, I got DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. 13, I have John Wall and Bradley Beal because – Damn, that's another one we're off on. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we we kind of talked about it. We did prior. We did when we were talking if we were going to consider not, the injuries. I've just deci- I've decided to completely like give John Wall the benefit of the doubt. I've decided to move on past the, him being an idiot. <laughs> and, well, because I, I, my original initial reaction to all of this, like, 
you know, big contract getting her out of shape stuff was yeah. was like John Wall blew it. Yeah, it's like, on him. You know, all this. But now I, I like I like to see John Wall come back and be dominant again. Yeah, I hope he and does. And Bradley Beal is a top a top five probably shooting guard. So those guys to me are way up there. Yeah. I mean one healthy John Wall and Bradley Beal, that backcourt is yeah. top three backcourt in the league. Yeah. Uh number twelve I have Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. And then number eleven I have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis yeah, because like I'm all in on that combo. Working I am out. too. It was really 15 is such a cop out ranking right <laughs> in the middle because no, but it's fair. But it's we just, haven't it's seen Kristaps. Yeah, Kristaps. I just I need to see Kristaps get through the season. Luka, I know what Luka's going to do, but Kristaps is seven two, seven three, seven three, and that's you know he looks good. He's got a great game, but it's tough to keep those big bodies on the on the uh, on the court. Yeah. So I really need to see that, but they're they're top ten talent. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're at the top ten. All right, so now we can take it one at a time. Yeah. So my number one uh, or my number ten, uh, rounding out the top ten, is uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, Interesting. I think Rudy Gobert is the best defensive center in the NBA, so he carries an extreme value. Um, and then I'm a, I I think Donovan Mitchell. Had a quiet second year, so people forget. But I think this is a 23, 24 points a game, night in, night out, like electrifying player. And I still take him over Mike Conley. Interesting, because I have Conley and Gobert as my duo for Utah, but I have them a little bit higher, so I'll get to them in a minute. Uh, my number 10 is Stephen Clay. Goddamn, we have some, we have some issues, people. <laughs> well, listen. Oh my fucking Christ. The Splash Brothers? It's interesting because I'm giving John Wall the benefit of the doubt with the injury, and he's probably not even going to play this entire year, and Clay might come back. But it's. I don't know. Their team just isn't the same. I don't. This is Steph, and this is the Splash Brothers we're talking about. These guys have won. We're talking right now, though. No, Steph was afraid of Fred Van Vliet in the finals. No, he was not. Where was he guarding him? He switched Steph, off of him four times. That, that's that's a that's a different that's a different statement <laughs> than afraid of him. Okay, Steph can get a bucket anytime he wants. <laughs> um, but we'll get to Steph and Clay where they should be. All right, we'll talk about them later At in a more nine. respectful <laughs> manner. At nine, I got uh, I got Giannis and I got Chris Middleton. Um, Chris Middleton is the reason why it's nine and not a top five duo. Okay. I don't have Giannis and Middleton in the top five. But at nine, I have Kyrie and KD for Brooklyn. God damn. I'm just interested in seeing what your top looks like because you're... My top is good. Because, listen, I'm, I'm thinking about for this season. No, I, I understand. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't take a one... I don't take KD, John Wall, Clay, those guys. Like, I'll still take an injured... I'll still take them injured with the guy they're paired with over a lot of these team healthy <laughs> players. You know what I mean? All right, who you got at eight? At eight, I got I got I got John Wall and I got Bradley Beal. Okay, I like it. Um, I like it. Obviously, like the injury is a factor, but it's not as big of a factor to me because I think that Wall is a um, a superstar point guard, a Damian Lillard, Steph Curry caliber guy. Um, 
And uh, I just think that he's going through something right now. And it's when he gets back to the court, I think it's going to be good. And then Brad Beal, you know, I think he's right. He's right. He's right behind Clay, Book, and uh, James Harden. But he's right there with like CJ, you know, CJ and Jimmy and those guys at the two. Yeah. All right. So at eight, I have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Yeah, I can, I I I moved them around quite a bit. They ended up getting in twelve because because at the end of the day, I take like I'll take Devin Booker over Jokic, and I'll take Iton over Murray. I'm taking Jokic over Devin Booker right now. Jokic is nice, and he's and he's like a top three, you know, probably top three center, maybe number one. Um, but I'm not I'm not a big Jamal Murray fan. I'm not a big Nuggets fan. Oh, we know. Uh, we know. As far as like that team, but I'm a big Jokic fan. But I, I ended up like ended up dropping them on my list. Um, number seven, I got uh, the Philly guys. I got Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. Um, talking about what have you done? You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know they have made two playoff runs now, but uh, I just don't believe in a team that I don't believe in like them being able to get a bucket and win the game. You know, I think that, that they're susceptible to that. Ben Simmons and Embiid are crazy talents, but Ben Simmons, I can't rely on his jump shot at the end of a game. You know, I don't think it's easy to get to the rim when your other best player is the center. Um, so it's like it's tough to get the big man the ball late. So I just I just don't see them. They're, they're at seven instead of like three or four because of their closeout abilities. Yeah. Embiid's um, the best center in the game. though. So. For sure. Uh, at seven for me, I have Giannis and Chris Middleton. Uh, obviously, Middleton has them out of the top five. I had I had Giannis and Middleton as low as eleven, and I just couldn't. As leave. low as eleven. And just I just couldn't leave. I'm not a big. I think Chris Middleton is a buck. I don't think he's a superstar. Oh, I, he's the I perfect. He, buck. I think he's a Milwaukee buck. He fits perfectly into their system, um, but I think his production drops off a lot. He's like not not quite as like. It's similar to Draymond's scenario, but not quite. I mean, I, I still think Draymond's a much better player. Draymond's more important. I think I think Draymond's a better player, but as far as just, like, Draymond is a warrior. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he was perfect for their system, and he came up with them. So, uh, but I can't leave Giannis. Giannis alone carries the weight. Yeah, for sure. All right, at six, who you got? At six, I got, uh, I got Dave Tong, and I got CJ McCollum. I, I also have them at six. I got the Portland duo. Um... I think it's the perfect spot for them. It is. They could go. I think they could be as high as number one, um, just because of how good they, how how much they do for their team. They are legitimately a two guy show. Yes, they get help from role players every now and then, but these guys continue to prove people wrong, continue to get more wins than anybody thinks that they can get, um, and continues to impress. You know, closing out these. All these other top two guys, all these other combos we have, are afraid of Dave and CJ. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Not, not, one, of not, them, not, not that one of these duos wants to play think, them in a 7 series. I don't series. think that I would ever rank them number one, but that's how good they really are. I think that they, they are uh, early. Yeah. All right, so now we're rounding into our top five. Um, and I'm going to show some proper respect here to Steph and Clay. <laughs> um, Steph and Clay cannot drop out of the top five. I don't care what... Um, what happens, the things that they've accomplished, they've won 73 games, they've won three titles, um, they went to five straight NBA finals, uh, 
It's it's the Splash Brothers. I mean, they're they're arguably the they're arguably the best combo ever. I think they're I think they're right behind Pippen and Jordan and Kobe and Shaq. I think that Steph and Clay are the next guys on the list. Okay. All right. So my number five, I got Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. Wow. Um, obviously, Mike Conley, one of the top point guards in the league, no matter. Yeah, yeah. he was in Memphis all those years, but yeah. he was still doing the damn thing. I think that change of scenery, him going to Utah, that's going to give him a little bit of a resurgence for his career. And Rudy Gobert is two-time defensive player of the year. I like Utah. My hot take for Utah this year is I think that they're going to win the West. It wouldn't shock me if they did. I think it really wouldn't. When I say win the West, I mean the regular season. I think they're going to be the one seed. Yeah. I think they're going to win 60 games. But I don't think they're going to win. The, I don't think they're going to be in the NBA Finals. No, I don't think they have but Finals Utah, potential. I think, but I think Utah is the best bet for your money as far as odds to win the West in the regular season. Um, I just think they're going to have one, you know, like like Chicago did with Derrick Rose and those Atlanta teams with Al Horford. And, you know, I think it's going to be one of you know, the Rockets a couple years ago. I think it's going to be where the best playoff team doesn't win the regular season. And I think Utah has the potential to win the most games in the West this year. For sure. I completely agree with that. And with who they have technically ahead of them in the West, they have players that are going to need some load management type games where that yeah. might result in exactly. a loss for that team yeah, exactly. where Utah can get a win. They can get more wins than the Clippers and the Lakers and the Rockets purely because of things like that. Yeah. They're not focused on that. They're fo- They're going to be out every single night trying to win. 100%. Because they need they need the home court advantage. Yeah. Um. So where are we at number four? Yes. Or uh, who is your top five? My yeah, Stephen Clay, right? Steph is Stephen Clay. Um. Uh, my top my number four is uh is uh the fun guy and PG thirteen. <laughs> I got okay. I got Kawhi and Paul George. Um. These guys could be number one. That's I think they're another one that they could be as high as number one if you want to rank them that way, but uh. There's just some names above them that are the reason why they're four. It's the the top three are the reason why they get bumped down. It's because of how high they are. Think of the guys in front of them. But Kawhi and Paul George are just as good of a combo as anybody in the NBA and anybody's ever really seen. I mean, those are that's probably a historic duo right there. Yeah, for sure. Two MVP candidates, um, one winner of the MVP. You know, yeah. defensive player of the year. Paul George has been a defensive player of the year candidate, and he's been an MVP. And Kawhi's won both of those awards. Yep. And so, won two um, And they're both in the superstar forward body. Um, the LeBron, the KD, the Kawhi, the yeah. Giannis, the That's Paul George. That's 6'7 to 6'9. They're, they're, uh, they're a perfect combo. So they can be anywhere, but I got them at four. All right. At four, I have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, I think Ben Sim- uh, Joel Embiid excuse me, is obviously the best center in the league. Um, ben Simmons, I... I'm not a Ben Simmons fan, fan yeah. but I mean, listen, the, no, guy, I mean, the guy's a yeah, triple double. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a walking triple double. He's easy. He's easy to hate, but he's also like you, you got to give respect to his game. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, they are a top four, top five duo in this league. Um, now at three, who do you have? At three, I got KD and Kyrie. Okay, and I think KD um, even injured carries more weight than Paul George and Kawhi. Um, that can, that's up for debate. You can debate me on that one I, if you want to. I definitely but would say. I think that KD I is arguably. I think, I think KD is arguably the best player in the world. 
I think there's five, five or six names that are on that list, and he's one of them. And then Kyrie, to me, is uh, is the is the best point in the game. Um, there's a couple other guys that I would argue that with, but Kyrie is no worse than the top four point guard. Yeah. Um, so uh, KD and Kyrie, man, that is uh, that's just as dynamic as Braun and D-Wade. You know, um, I think Kevin Durant's going to come back and be fine, and they're going to be a problem. Yeah. All right. So. You got three. At three, I have Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I think, I mean, listen, individually, both of these guys are just unreal. Russ, three three years of averaging a triple-double. What Harden did last year offensively, we haven't seen since Jordan. Yeah. But. Together, I'm not sure if it works. I think it, honestly, I think it does, but obviously there are question marks. Mm -hmm. Russ shooting 29% from three last year is a huge question mark to see if he's made that improvement this offseason. And Harden can't get it done in the playoffs. He runs out of gas because he has to do so much for Houston uh, in the regular season. Now, that might change, obviously, with the addition of Russell Westbrook. It'll lighten the load a little bit, but... We've seen these two on a team before yeah. together, yeah. and they couldn't get it done. Where they, they, they get were it too done young. Now? I think they got there too early. They weren't ready. No doubt. Uh, uh, definitely age had a factor to do with that. Yeah. But, but uh, these see. guys, they're your number three. They're my number two. That's uh, fair. 100% Russ, fair. Russ and Harden, to me, is just uh, going to be a problem for the entire league. They're the ones that, if I had to put my money on the most wins in the West, they're who I'd probably go with. Utah, I think, is the dark horse. But I'd probably pick Houston win the most games this year. Um, I just think this this duo is going to be such an issue because of a lot of things you just mentioned. Harden's workload is going to be cut down. I think Harden and I think Harden and Russ like playing with each other and knowing each other, and that's going to help so much with chemistry. Agreed. I don't think that they mind giving the ball up. Um, it's like you know, it's like they got rid of Kevin Durant. They're together. You know, like <laughs> they can think of it as getting more shots. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's how. You know, compared to their beginnings. And, uh, you know, James Harden is probably the best uh, one-on-one scorer in the league. Russell is probably the most well-rounded. Outside of Braun, he's probably the most well-rounded player in the league. Um, and their effort and their their effort and their want to win a championship is there. So they're going to be fucking crazy. I mean, I think this is the number two tandem in the league. So my number two is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, obviously, Paul George has the concerns with the shoulders and the surgery and all of that. But, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, finals MVP, what he did in Toronto, carrying that team to a championship by himself. Yeah. He's going to be looking to do the same thing in L.A., first year, win a title. I mean, Yeah, I mean, people, if he wins it, it's, I think, between him and Braun, the race to win three titles with three teams yep. and be the star. Um, that's going to cement yourself in, in the, the NBA history books. And uh, Kawhi's arguably the best player in the world. I mean, I don't, you're not going to argue. If someone walks up to me and says he's the best player in the world, I'm not going to argue. Yeah, I think... Because I, I think, think he's done everything he needs to do to prove that he's the best. He can stop anybody, and he can carry a team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's both... Between game winners and playing defense... Yeah, that conversation of who the best player in the world is, I think it's LeBron versus Kawhi yeah. versus KD. My, Michael, you know, Mike won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. Uh, Kawhi is kind of the, really the only guy that's, like, sniffing that. Yeah, for sure. 
Now, number one, obviously, we both have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Uh, just by. Uh, yeah. Probably the top two players in the world. Yeah. Um, again, that list is, you know, Very small. Is, it's forever changing. You know, there's days I think Giannis is the best player in the world. There's days I think Kawhi, KD, Braun, Ant, um, you know, those five. Particularly, I throw Steph Curry and, and James Harden in the mix every now and then, but um, those five guys are the best basketball players in the world. And they're uh, Ant and Braun is probably the closest thing to Kobe and Shaq and uh, Mike and Pippen that we've ever seen. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, that that's like well, Ant, mean, Ant Davis could be the best player in the world. Oh, I mean, he really is. He unst- just, he's, he's like twenty-seven he's, and twelve. He really is unstoppable, and you just paired him up with LeBron James. So that that duo has that duo has potential um, like no other duo. Yeah. So all right, that was all thirty duos. Yeah. In the NBA, we which did are it. pretty pretty similar. Yeah. No, we we definitely had a lot of similarities. A lot of similar groupings, for sure. So all right, let's move on now. To I think, obviously I would I would consider this the summer of duos. So we just talked about the duos. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 got it's it's slightly moving away from super teams. Yeah. Now I would say the other biggest storyline of this summer has been what's been going on with Team USA. Yep. And the FIBA World Cup. Now it's uh it's as bad as I've ever seen it. Yeah. So we're, this is the worst, uh, this is to me even worse than the 2000 squad, I mean, uh, or the 2004 squad, was it 2004, 2004? I think it was the 2000 squad. Yeah, with Iverson and... Iverson, KG and... Yeah, Vince Carter. Vin, yeah. yeah. And even that squad I was psyched about, I mean, those so guys that's, are... That team has much bigger stars those guys, than this those team. Those guys are killer, they just didn't put any, like, effort into it, you know, and they got, they got caught. They got they caught, caught slipping. Yeah, so, um, this is the worst I've ever seen Team USA basketball. Yeah, so, Team USA training camp for the FIBA World Cup is over, uh, but... The real story is everybody who's not playing for the red, white, and blue. Greg Popovich and his staff have to get the roster down to 12 yeah. uh, before the World Cup starts in China on August 31st. It currently sits at 13 players. Uh, those 13 players are Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, and Derek White. Yeah, God, that's horrible. I mean, to me, like, looking at the roster for the Olympics, um, you can't have P.J. Tucker. You can't have Derek White. You can't have Marcus Smart. You can't have Mason Plumlee. Well, P.J. dropped out. You can't can't have Joe Harris. Yeah, okay, so P.J. dropped out, which is smart. Well, okay. I mean, he needs to be focused. He only has a couple years left in the tank. He should be focused on the Rockets. Yeah. Um, But it's like, I got to replay. Like, you know... Even replacing Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Mason Plumley. Even if you replace those guys, it's like the other guy. You know, it's not like Harrison Barnes and Kuzma and Middleton are scaring people. Brooke Lopez isn't scaring people. Yeah. Now I think that they have enough talent to win gold because I think, I think you get Kemba and De'Aaron Fox and and Jason Tatum and Miles Turner. Those are good pieces, but it is shallow. Yeah, I definitely think this team still has the chance to win. 
the chance to win gold at the FIBA World Cup, but they're going to be the minutes is going to be way different. I mean, you, De'Aaron Fox and Kemba got to play damn near the whole game. De'Aaron dropped out. De'Aaron's done. Yeah, he dropped out. Oh wow. He only played so. So wait, we got Tatum, Jason Tatum, I'll Chris go, Middleton, Kuzma, Barnes, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Derek White, Kemba, Marcus Smart. Miles Turner, Mason Plumlee, Brooke Lopez. Yeah, it's a, so the roster's at 13. They they got to get it down to 12. So last Friday on, I believe it was the 16th, 16th or 17th, the U.S. played an exhibition game against Spain. Spain brought their A-team. Mm-hmm. They had Marcus All, Ricky Rubio, Rudy Fernandez, the Hernan Gomez brothers, and the starting five that the USA team put out, I was at the game. Uh, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun to go. It was at the Honda Center in Anaheim. <clears throat> but the starting five that the USA team rolled out was Mason Plumley, Kemba Walker, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Middleton, and Harrison Barnes. The US Donovan Mitchell is the one that's like, he's going to get buckets for the team. Yeah. Now, that's horrible. The U.S. The U.S. won ninety to eighty-one. They were up by like fifteen a, uh, a couple points, so they were able to. This team was able to beat Spain's A team, which is definitely encouraging. Now the team is in Australia for two exhibition games right now, so it'll be see how they do against the Australian national team. Yeah, I think they're gonna end up cutting Derek White. Just seems pops like, the coach. Do you think he's going to cut the only spur? I think so. It just makes the most sense. I mean, him no. or Joe Harris, I think. But see, Joe Harris at least like most Olympic squads have a shooter. Yeah, and Joe Harris is a three-point you know, champion. He kind of has the. He can kind of have the Michael Red role of this team. Yeah, and it was really interesting because earlier in the summer when the the roster was a lot bigger, it was looking like Kuzma was probably going to get cut, but. He's yeah. been he's been like one of the only young players that not pull dude. Out. To me now he's like I don't know who I would start at that that fifth player, but to me my starting lineup has to be Kemba and Donovan Mitchell for sure with Jason Tatum and Miles Turner. Yeah, I, I have was, to have those four. So on and, Friday, and, and then it's like you can throw in Kuz Bar Kuz Harrison Barnes and Chris Middleton. Any any one of those three guys pairs good with Jason Tatum, but. You cannot start Plumley and shit like that. Yeah, on Friday when uh, I saw Mason Plumley go out for the jump, I was in shock. I thought for sure Miles Turner was going to be starting. Yeah, that's. Funny. I mean, that might have just been Pop working out a lineup to see no, what was going to work. And, and I, I also like the idea of not starting <laughs> with five best players. You know, you could throw you can throw people like Plumley or Joe Harris into the starting lineup. Just so you have bench, you know, you have some talent coming off the bench. But yeah, uh, I mean, I think Kemba, I think Kemba, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, are a good enough big three to like win gold. Yeah. All right, I want to bring something to your attention because it was brought up on Twitter by uh, a guy named M Grads. He, I'm just, I'm just gonna read this tweet to you, and it was an idea he had on basically trying to fix this problem of players withdrawing. He said, quote, the Olympics should be for the superstars and FIBA should be for the young guys. No 7- to 10-year vet going to be excited for FIBA LMFAO. We weren't brought up on FIBA World Cup. We were brought up on the Olympics being the biggest stage. FIBA should be for rookies to 6-year guys. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I've always there's, always, there's been a lot of interesting like ideas as far as managing your roster. 
And I'm a big fan of that one. I mean, that would be cool. You know, uh, it'd be awesome if like the USA basketball team had to go through like one training camp before the Olympics and then they were there. You know yeah. what I mean? You get the 12 best players in the world or you get the 12 best players from our country. They're in one training camp together for four weeks or whatever. And then they go to the Olympics. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that would be such an easy sell. Um, and I've also always liked the idea of not having primetime guys and doing players on their first, like having like veterans and young guys mixed. Like if you had <laughs> Carmelo out there and Kuzma out there. You know right. I mean? So basically essentially what M grad was or saying like was... even like the college guys. I mean, even, or it's like guys like Trey young and, and Zion and shit, you know? Yeah. So what Get he was, them there. what he was saying was, is save the feeble, World Cup for the rookie to six year guys, and then the seven to ten year plus guys get to play in the Olympics. I think the dream team had, I think the dream team had it figured out. They take take the ten best players from the country, you, and then you have uh, the last two spots are for the best rookie coming in, and then the twelfth spots for the guy that had the best season um, that current year. So Ooh, like, I like that because Clyde Drexler, that was his. That, yeah, that's how Clyde. Got and Christian Leitner, um, Christian Leitner was chosen over Shaq as the best <laughs> young yeah. player coming in, and then uh, Clyde Drexler had the best regular season that year of the dream, like that year of the Olympics. And that's how. So they, that was like their their version of taking a hot hand. Right, and that's how Anthony Davis got to be on the redeem team in 08. Was as a young <laughs> like young player before he ever played again. Yeah, it was right after his freshman year at Kentucky. So, I mean, like we both said, we still think the USA team has a good chance of winning the gold medal in China for the World Cup. But it'll definitely be interesting to see what players are on the Olympic the thing, squad. Next yeah, year. no, it's it's, gonna, it's scary because I think the USA basketball team is at its weak point in the world as the world power is uh, is more balanced than ever. I mean, Greece is going to be fucking tough. Spain is always yeah. Spain is always good. Um, Brazil is always good. Argentina, know? Argentina, France. Um, I mean, people people can play ball now. It's it's uh, it's a scary one out there, for sure. All right, let's uh, go through a couple housekeeping items that we missed since we were gone. Uh, the Wizards offered a three-year, one hundred eleven million dollar contract extension to Bradley Beal on July twenty-sixth. He has yet to sign it, and I think it's pretty obvious why he hasn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's smart enough to sign it. I would, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get behind that. I would try to get get out of there. Um, I like that. I like them to move Beal this year before the trade deadline. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me, especially if John Wall is going to be out for this entire year again. Which I mean, I think he is. I don't think he's going to play this year. So yeah, and now. Another similar backcourt situation, and I feel like we always link these two backcourts, but the Trailblazers and C.J. McCollum agreed to a three-year... It's just the perfect comparison because of the, the elite level of the point guard. And yeah. Like, the shooting guards are, like, elite, but they're, like, the second-tier elite. Yeah. So, C.J. and the Blazers agreed to a three-year, $100 million contract extension that basically extends his current deal to five years and a total of $157 million. The Blazers went all in on CJ and Dame this offseason. They gave Dame a $197 million Supermax extension earlier this summer. So 
it's just interesting to see the parallels or lack thereof between the situations of John Wall and Bradley Beal and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Now, Draymond Green and the Warriors agreed to a four-year contract extension worth $100 million that is going to begin at the start of the 2020-2021 season. If he would have waited until after this upcoming season and entered free agency in the summer of 2020, he could have gotten close to that $200 million yeah. max extension. Yeah. But I don't think any any team would have given Draymond that big of a contract a la the Kemba Walker, uh, Charlotte Hornets situation where they didn't offer him the $220 million yeah. that he could have gotten. So I think Golden State and Draymond made the right move by just getting this done. Yeah, that's just, uh, that's just the... Uh... It's just the proof of a good relationship. And, and Draymond's still got $100 million. Yeah, no, nah, and Draymond's being down to earth and understanding that, you know, he was he's part of something bigger, you know what I mean? So he understands that. I think that's – he puts his legacy at a higher value than that extra money. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, just what he means. I think he would have got paid more than $100 million, but – He wouldn't have got the 200 I don't think he would have got 200 Yeah, I mean, he definitely – I think he would have got a similar contract to what Kemba got yeah. from Boston. Yeah. <coughs> yeah you, throw, you throw Draymond in the, in the mix of free agency, you've probably been the most sought-after free agent. But definitely one of them, at least. Now, some bad news. And this will be the last uh, housekeeping item before we get to our executive power changes yeah. that I think is going to be a really fun conversation. But... Boogie Cousins has torn his ACL. Yeah. Huge, huge blow to the Lakers. But before we talk about what it means for the Lakers, I think we got to talk about Boogie the person because we forget a lot when we talk about sports. It, this it's kind of like A.J. Green. Yeah. It's kind of like what I said about A.J. Green. And that's um, that's what I alluded to earlier when yeah, I said yeah. we, we'll talk about yeah. this later. It's, it's sad because he never got the payday he deserved. And he lost out on nine figures and, because of and, these injuries. And uh, he's never going to be remembered as the talent that he was. Um, I believe that he was the best big guy in the league for a couple years. Agreed. In between uh, in between Dwight and, like, Ant Davis and, uh, and Joel Embiid, I think he was the best big guy in the league. Um, so he's going to be like Derrick Rose and Penny Hardaway, and it's like, we really just never, I, we're never going to know. We never got to see his full potential. We're just never going to know what he really could have been. And, and the so, like, the legacy part sucks, and then the financial part is similar. It's like Isaiah Thomas's scenario, where it yeah. just seems like every time he was due to get paid, something bad happened. Yeah. And, I mean. So, I mean, it's it's a big deal, and it's way it's way bigger to DeMarcus than it is to the Lakers. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot bigger than sports because this is real life, and this is. Yeah, his livelihood, and, and he really did lose a generation's amount of like, probably his. He, you know, he could have took care of his family for three generations for off sure. the money that he lost. Yeah, I mean, he tore his Achilles, his quad, and his ACL in five hundred and sixty-six days. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just been a, it's been a really sad run for him. The Warriors don't win Game Two without him. No, in the finals. So, <coughs> I mean, it's just it's. It's devastating for Boogie, and I really thought he was going to be an X factor for the Lakers. This he was year. for sure. He was for sure an X factor, but uh, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> it's like 
I mean, the Lakers, I don't think, are going to lose anything with losing him. I think all the loss goes to Boogie just because I think Ann Davis is way better playing the five, and I think Braun's way better playing the four. Yeah, and, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think JaVale is a good starting starter, and then when you take him off the bench, you know, when you, you know, you can bring in whoever you want off the bench for JaVale because then you can move Ant and LeBron. Well, Ant, Ant doesn't want to play the five. No, which is why you, you're not going to start him with the five, but Ant's going to play the five. <laughs> like, Ant's going to be out there playing the five for stretches. It's it's going to be, it's going to be, after the initial subs, which, I mean, I just th- I just believe that the rotation will be Javel will start at the center. He'll play his normal, you know, whatever, five to eight minutes of the first quarter. <laughs> He'll get subbed out. And then they'll go to the smaller, more efficient basketball team. And Ant Davis will be playing the five. I, now, I, it, it's not going to be more than, like, a quarter worth of the game. It's going to be more, like, he's going to, but he's going to play 10, 12 minutes of center. Yeah. Now, the Lakers are looking at Dwight Howard, who is currently under contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. They're also looking at Joakim Noah, both of which, according to sources who told ESPN, both Joakim Noah and Dwight Howard have workouts set up with the Lakers. Those workouts are also going to include Mo Spades. Ha! That is a great name (laughs) I haven't heard yet. I love that. That would be amazing to, to grab a Mo Spades. I don't know if he can still hoop or what he's been doing, but um, was he been in Washington? I, I'm not sure where he's at right now. I know he was in Orlando, Orlando yeah. Washington. I'm honestly, I think he even spent time overseas. I, well, I'm pretty sure he was in Orlando the same time Frank Vogel was in Orlando. Yeah. So, so okay, there you go. Um, so that could be interesting. See, and I, I like, I'm on the other side of the fence than most people. I really like the idea of getting one of these. Um, like I like Joachim and Dwight Howard for the Lakers because I don't want Dwight Howard. Um, as crazy as it sounds, Dwight Howard needs to escape his reality, and, and I think that you're going to get a good basketball player out of it because I think he's going to he's he's going to I just think his effort level is going to be there, and he's going to have something to prove, and he's going to be a backup center. Keep Dwight Howard away from my Lakers, please, um, as far away as possible. I think that they they're that's a win win scenario. He plays <laughs> good, they look like a genius. He plays bad, they don't play. I mean, yeah, I guess, but I think it's a it's a, a same thing with Noah. Yeah, I'd much rather have Joakim Noah or, or I I don't know about most Spates, but another name that's been brought up is also Marcin Gortat. Yeah, I like all those names. Those are all solid backup centers. Yeah, just because they can go you know a month without playing in the game and then get up off the bench and produce, you know. Yeah, they're pros. So all right, let's uh let's close out this episode with uh, what I think is going to be a fun conversation. I heard it on another show. Uh, I got a shout out. Um, oh, geez. Now I'm, I can't even remember where I heard it. Oh, well. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Mixtapes. Yeah, shout out to Mixtape Boys, uh, Coley Mick and uh, Trilly Withers from Barstool. Uh, I heard them do this and I thought it would be a good idea to bring it to the TSK show. So I gave Tyler the premise, if he could have the executive power as NBA commissioner to change three things about the NBA, what would they be? So Tyler, I yeah. want to hear your three yeah. things. Yeah, this is this is good. I like this kind of stuff. Now, when doing this, I my list ended up being like 20 things. <laughs> I have uh, four. But uh, I, I got it down to three. Um, I got the three big ones. Uh, 
two of them I think are just like make sense. The third one is kind of like out there, but I would like to see it. Um, just a test of theory, I guess. Uh, but number one, I think is obvious is that's the draft age. I'd immediately throw out the draft age rule. I would even go as far into saying that anybody can enter the draft um, if they want to. And if they don't get drafted, they are not disqualified from high school or college. I just think that it's stupid that a college kid can't enter the draft. And if he doesn't get drafted, he can't go back to school. Um, so I like anyone to be able to test out the waters. I also think that you should be able to, once you're 18 or, or, or an illegal adult, you can enter the draft. I also think you should be able to enter a draft if you have parental consent. Um, so basically my, my view is if an NBA team wants to draft you, they should be able to draft you. Listen, Kobe's parents co-signed his first NBA deal when he was 17. And, and that's, and I, that's how I believe it's just like, if you want to, if you want to try out, you know, if you want to shoot your shot, go for it. Um, I think that the NBA draft combine is invite only, and that will be a true representation of your draft pool. But I think anybody should be able to throw their name in the hat. Um, and, uh, you know, I would, I think, encompassing the draft age, I think uh, that opens up a lot of avenues as far as, like, structuring the NBA, like, you know, overseas um, soccer, where, you you know, the Lakers have an AAU program. Yep. You know, then you're breeding your kids in, in middle school. So um, that's kind of like, that's the big one to me. Uh, that's the number one thing I would change. Uh, that's the first thing I would change. That is also the first thing on my list. Uh, it's, I would keep like the rule as far as like being drafted and playing for another pro team. I would keep the rules the same as it is now. Your your previous contract trumps the NBA, um, and you can settle it in any form of you know. Yeah, as, so long as, you have, with your team. yeah as long as yeah, as long as as long as both sides agree, then you're you're good to go. Yeah. So like like I said, the first thing on my list was get rid of the one and done rule and implement that academy like system that we've talked about so many times on the program. Mm-hmm. Um. The second thing on my list is any shot that is made from half court or beyond, as basically half court or beyond, yeah, uh, it counts as four points. I love what the big three is doing with the four point shot, yeah, and basically it's a way to try and revolutionize and change the game. That's a risk. Um, that's just a risky. I've thought about the four pointer a lot. It's just it's. I'm just all for more. I'm just yeah. all for scoring more. It's and just, if a player makes a shot from half court or beyond, yeah. that's so more you got, difficult. So it's like you, you know, you work a tight game. You work a tight game for all the fourth quarter, and you end up getting a three point lead. And someone hucks up a shot from the other foul line, makes it, and you lose. I mean, would you rather? I mean, if you're tied, so you'd have to earn the win after that. But it's like. I, mean, I think by making I mean, that I'm shot, sure, you I'm sure they, it. I'm sure they said the same thing about the three-point line. Yeah. Um, but the four, yeah, four points is just uh, not, that's worth twice, that's worth two baskets. Yeah, you know what I mean? it is. And it's, uh, it's, it's like, a further well, shot, it's more difficult. It just would be a weird game, you know what I mean? It'd be weird to see people lining up to take half-court shots. I want to see 200 and, points in a game. I don't know, I don't think the four-point line is going to get you 200 points. I think you put the shot clock at 12 seconds, you can get 200 points. Well, okay. I don't think the four point because I just think that the percentage will be so low. Um, that True. It's not, you're not going to get more points. I think that you can make two twos in the same efficiency as one four. All right. Well, what's your second thing? Uh, number two, this one's big time. I think that it's just ridiculous that this isn't 
hasn't happened yet. Um, but I would go with the 66-game season. Uh, I would cut the NBA season by 16 games, which isn't very much. Um, That's what the lockout was in tw- uh, 2011. Yep, and uh, and I think that uh, here are my main my, like my main two points. Uh, the the first main point is I think that you could essentially get rid of all back to backs. Um, I think 16 games. If you went through a team's calendar, uh, I don't see them having too many more than 16 back to backs. I think 16 is even on the high side now uh, with all the changes that they're making. To yeah, the so schedule. so um, I think you get rid of all back to backs, which uh, in turn cuts down on injury, which on turn keeps stars on the court, which in turn makes more money for a better league. Um, and then uh, 66 games. The way I came up with that number is your division. Uh, you play everybody in your division four times. It's an even spread, two home, two away. Uh, there's no, you know, uh, and then everybody else in the league, you play twice, one home, one away. There's no three games where there's an unfair home, you know, home and away count. Uh, I like that. Everybody, I like that. You play everybody once at home, everybody once on the road, and then your division, you play four times each. And that, then I think that that, like in doing that, having four, playing your division four times, then it makes sense to give them home court advantage in the playoffs. How the playoffs are structured now, like you're a guaranteed top four seed if you win your division. I think that it makes it makes me feel better about getting that seed because, you know, if you're stuck with Golden State in your division, you have to play them four times. Everybody also has to play them twice. You know what I mean? I think that there needs to be some value there. So 66-game season is the second thing I'm doing. Uh, I definitely like that idea. I, I would definitely be all for that. Now... The third thing I have is I would change the Hall of Fame eligibility. Right now, the Hall of Fame eligibility, uh, you have to wait five years mm-hmm. before you are technically eligible for the Hall of Fame. I think you should be eligible for the Hall of Fame as soon as you retire. Yeah, but then you got fucks like Jordan, you know what I mean? Like, they come back, you know. I, I, mean, I, I think why they do it is because they want to give everyone a, a, the same like reflecting period you don't want to act on emotion to see how the career ages yeah it's just okay. like you know what i mean like you gave it five years to think about it you know what i mean where it's like if penny hard one pet you know when penny hardaway retired a gut check reaction might be to throw him in but then you wait five years you stack him up next to everybody else and all of a sudden i don't think he's getting in okay all right um but yeah I, I, the whole thing you know that's I, I do think it's, it's okay. like because like recently we've had players like Kobe, Duncan, D Wade. Yeah, no, Dirk. but it's like it's also you know if you retire for a year and you want to come back, you're not in the Hall of Fame. You know, you're not literally. Yeah. But it's you know, and saying that it's like why not just make them Hall of Famers while they're active? <laughs> you know what I mean? True. It's like fuck yeah, yeah you know, I right. like they do it with coaches. So well, I'm uh, glad I have a fourth one because I know you're gonna like the fourth one. Um. So that, that's a good one. Uh, my last one is pretty out there, but I think that there's some validity to the uh, the hypothesis is uh, no fouling out. And that's wait pretty, what? No fouling out, and that's pretty crazy. Uh, it sounds pretty crazy, I guess. Um, but my reasoning behind it is uh, a you get penalized for fouling, like the team gets two free throw, two free shots. Okay, so essentially, when you get when you foul someone, you're you're punished twice. 
The player's punished and the team's punished. Okay. The, the, the player's punished by a personal foul, which enough of those kick you out of the game. Right. But it's like, if I'm the other team, why do I care if this person keeps fouling me? You know what I mean? I'm just going to hit my free throws. Well, okay. Uh, and then um, another thing is, is I just hate seeing superstars sit at the end of a game. Well, that's... And so uh, the big guys, I, I, in particular big guys, um, physical guys... Uh, I just don't. I, I just don't think that let them like fouling six times like warrants them not being able to be on the court and help their team win. If you're fouling, there there is a there is a negative consequence to it. So, what I think would happen is you would have obviously you'd have guys that would foul a lot, but I think that it would work against you. I think that the other teams would end up making NBA teams shoot seventy five percent plus from the free throw line. They so, should at least. I think they all do. I think they're all at that mark. Um, I don't think there's anyone in the in the sixties. Like that would be atrocious. Um, so it's like I just think that in the end, um, it's there's no strategic uh, like there's no there's no uh, there's nothing good that comes out of like someone fouling ten times in a game. Well, I just th- I think the strategy and it goes into what you're talking but about. But you're gonna let your the, team get in team foul trouble, and you're gonna kick out my player. Well, yeah, that's that's the strategy into into the fouling is let's say uh, a star player gets three quick fouls in the first half. Yeah, now they've changed their complete their rotations completely shot. Exactly, that's, and people pay a lot of money to go see the best players in the world play, and so like. Uh, a big thing of my when I was thinking about this is how do I make the game better and make the, the game, experience better. The, the, the yeah, fans pay the the league is is paid for by fans. The fans pay for everything, um, and the fans come to see a quality product. And when that quality product's on the bench or it's in back to back, so they're sitting. You know, what I mean, those are why I would make those changes because I want to see NBA stars in the game as long as possible. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, Ron Artest, it's definitely Shaquille, a good way to think about it. Ron Artest, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, people like this, like, I just, I wish I would have saw them on a court instead of, like, getting into early foul trouble and sitting on the bench. Yeah, no, and it's 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 interesting you you bring up the, you want to see the superstars on the court, and it's like players like Kobe and Michael, it's like, they always said they were playing for that one fan who had never seen them before live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every game the, the, there's play, there's people, there's a lot of people in the stands. Like Definitely that. a lot. So, um, you know, behind the 66 games, the no fouling out, that's kind of all wrapped up in just keeping superstars on the court. Okay. I just don't think like a thug, like having to like start your four best guys in a thug to foul everybody. Yeah. Like I don't think that that plays, like team fouls are team fouls. Like, one guy having 10 or five guys having two doesn't change anything. Yeah. As far as the other team's concerned. All right. So, that was our three uh, things we would change about the NBA if we had executive power. Uh, Real quick, the fourth one I had just uh, to add was players won't be tested for marijuana. Yeah, that's a that, that was for sure on <laughs> for my multiple list. reasons. Yeah, I mean that was for sure on my list just because I think that like painkillers are such an issue in the country, but um, that that's one a, was for sure on my list was yeah. was legalizing marijuana, um, but that one doesn't keep players on the court to me as yeah. much as the other ones. And that brings up a whole different topic that we won't get into. Yeah. On, uh, on the TSK show, but all right.
Episode 106. Yeah, the cursed episode finally done. We did it. Um, you got a shout, shout out? out? Yeah, of course. <laughs> we got, got we got a few. I got a big shout out. I got my boy Nate Diaz coming in and getting the getting the 30 piece. Stockton versus uh, everybody. 3027, Nate Diaz, uh, Stockton King coming back and fucking the UFC up. Pissing Dana White, Dana White off. Uh, just messing up all their rankings, uh, continuing to, to be a legend. And I think uh, I think Nate Diaz is on the Mount Rushmore of UFC fighters to never hold a belt. You know, I think that I that's like that. that's like outside of my like favoritism. You know, what I yeah. mean, I think he's earned that now. He is a walking legend. People love him. Well, you saw the uh, the Instagram post I sent to the group chat on Instagram about that, Colby? That Connor, that, no, that Connor made. Oh yeah, no, exactly. And I, I just think that Nate's a gangster, and people respect it. Yeah. And he keeps it real, and he he goes out there and he fights, um, and he gives you a good fight. That was that was one of the best. Uh, just on top of the Nate Diaz shout out, that was one of the best cards I've ever watched. I I literally was not excited for any of the fights outside of Nate. Um, like I love I love you all Romero. I'm a big fan of his, but uh, like DC fights are always boring to me. Um, and then I didn't know the other two, the other two out of the five fights. So, but the last four fights were all amazing, um, amazing fights, like crazy, uh, great endings. Um, so yeah, shout out Nate Diaz in the UFC. All right, uh, I got two shout outs. Uh, actually, well, I'm gonna make it uh, three because uh, something happened last night that I'll bring up at the end. But uh, shout-out to the San Antonio Spurs for announcing that Tim Duncan will officially become an assistant coach for the team next season. It's going to be pretty cool seeing Pop and Duncan uh, both in suits on the bench together. And Pop had a pretty funny quote. Uh, he said, It's only fitting that after I served loyally for 19 years as Tim Duncan's assistant that he returns the favor. Yep. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yep. Um, then also, I know we don't talk a lot of baseball on here, but I got to bring this up for my boy at Cuddy Rick on Twitter. Shout out my boy at Cuddy Rick. Uh, so I got to shout out Yasiel Puig for going out in probably the most G way I've ever seen a player go out after being traded. So on the day before the trade deadline, the Reds and the Pirates uh, got into a huge brawl in the ninth inning, but about a half an hour or so before. The Reds had made a trade with the Indians that included right fielder Yasiel Puig. He obviously was in the middle of the game, so he didn't know he was traded. And while the brawl was happening in typical Yasiel Puig fashion, he came to defend his now former teammates. Uh, and he got in the middle of the fray, and it was absolutely bonkers. Uh, I've never seen a circumstance where a player gets traded mid-game supposedly isn't told about it, and then the bench is clear, and a brawl breaks out, and the player who got traded is right in the middle of this fight. <laughs> and he was suspended three games because of his actions in the brawl, so he missed his first three games with the Indians, but it was just really typical Yasiel Puig to be caught up in something like that. And then, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm shouting out Lil Pump. Cause, oh, uh, yeah, that was... That was cool, though. Last night, I was uh, playing some NBA 2K19, and all of a sudden, I see this player run past me with pink braids and a star above him, and the username said Lil Pump Eske. So I was like, all right, that's definitely Lil Pump. So I snapped a little picture, put it up on Instagram. So shout out Lil Pump for being on the same server as 2K <laughs> with me. 
uh, played did, some video games with Tom. Didn't actually get to play with him, but uh, I definitely tried to send him a friend request, but PlayStation said his account has too many requests yeah. and wouldn't allow to send any more. That's funny. But, yeah, so with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. I know we're uh, in Bikini Bottom right now. We're going through a little bit of a transition period. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we will... Uh, we'll get it right. Yeah, we'll get it right soon enough. But uh, definitely stay tuned. With that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at The Duke of Sports and at Tyler Petrolke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well. And we are now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK Show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace. Later.